That's a wonderful song. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, so the first thing we need to ask is, uh, well, where's Colombia? Because we're a bunchy illiterate white nationalist. Speak for right? yourself, mate. <laughs> well, Colombia is located, it's like the, the border between South America and uh, Central America. So it, ha it is a country that, that covers the two oceans, the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, it was a bastion of, uh, of the Hispanic history. Basically, it was uh, given uh, to, in the uh, Reino de Granada, it has a lot of Hispanic culture. And besides that, we received uh, several cultures later on. Uh, causing a, a huge mixture of, of, of cultures. Basically, we have limits with Peru, with uh, Brazil, with uh, Venezuela and Ecuador in the south and east. And also we have a limit with Panama in the north. So what's your feelings on Grand Colombia? Excuse me, my feelings on? All right, Grand Colombia. Like, uh, we, we should all um, use those places back together, right? Well, to be honest with you, we should have never be independent, uh, get the independence from Spain. Uh, because, unfortunately, with the independence, it came also with a lot of, of corruption. A lot of, of Masons came by and destroyed the whole country. They were only searching for themselves. They destroyed a lot of... Uh, Indian culture, uh, they destroyed the Hispanic culture, they destroyed the, mixed, the mixture, and they began to develop a hate towards our uh, European heritage, our white heritage as well, and it's quite hard to, to, to handle that situation. Of course, we should understand that we have uh, where two cultures colliding by themselves, the Indians and uh, and uh, Hispanic Europeans in the first instance then came uh, Negroes on, well, uh, Africans from being slaves, uh, also uh, many Muslims and, and Jewish came by after the, uh, they escaped from the Spanish uh, Imperium. And uh, it worked fine on the, um, under the, the, the Spanish crown, it, it it worked fine. Everyone know their place, and it but uh, and they were working towards uh, a great empire. When that came over, uh, the best example is the division. You know, they start uh, creating a lot of uh, wrong images and start. And Colombia is the only South American. Well, Grand Colombia or Colombia is the only South American country that has been losing several territories. And besides that losing all their wars. We were we lost our war towards Peru, we lost our war uh, towards Venezuela, we, lo we lost our war towards Panama for giving examples. All because of the unity and the need for uh, destroy the an emblem of the Spanish chrome of that Hispanic heritage. You brought up uh, the Muslims and the Jews. Are you referring to like uh, when they started expulsing the Jews? I heard that Christopher Columbus was very well intertwined with Jewish communities as well. Yeah, well, Christopher Columbus is uh, quite an interesting uh, historical character. Why? Because there are several myths around this, this guy. Uh, for example, it is a myth that he was a bastard of uh, the Spanish king. It, it is also uh, a myth that he was having like... Uh, 
a lot of interaction in regards for the the Jewish community. Basic, basically, what he was doing and what he was searching uh, was to find an alternative route to reach easier to India. And that's why, actually, when we came here, uh, when when they arrived here uh, to to America, they they call America the Indians because they, they thought that they have arrived to to India. Um, Regarding the Jewish, as far as you know, that will not be like quite possible because we have to take into consideration that uh, Isabel um, uh, and Fernando the Catholic were handling a huge, huge uh, crusade against those two invaders at that time. You know, the Jewish uh, parasiting everything in, from the inside. And we have the Muslim crusades uh, conquering the, the south of Spain. So, what is the ethnic makeup of Colombia? Oh, well, uh, let's see where to start. Uh, Colombia is like a plastling, to be honest with you. It has everything on it, and everything is united and separate at the same time. As I was mentioning, uh, this afternoon we have different regions, and depending on that region, we will have we will find different heritages. For example, in in the center of of Colombia will be like mainly uh, the people of a department or a state would be said called Boyacá. It has a lot, a lot of Hispanic tradition, a lot of Hispanic culture mixed with some Indian um, uh, traditions. In the center of Bogota, we, we will find mostly more uh, Hispanic culture as well. In the, in the north where we find uh, the coast, we find a lot of black culture, we find a lot of uh, Jewish culture, we find a lot of Muslim culture because there was, there, uh, those were the main places where those people arrived after they will, uh, were expelled, they moved to uh, through Poland and part of Italy, and then they moved to the Indians. And also we can find some, some sort of white population as well. Uh, in the East, uh, we will find mostly Hispanic population as well, some uh, some part of uh, Indian, a little bit, and also on the on the west we will find a lot a lot of uh, white culture, especially in the um, cafe regions, uh, coffee regions. Not for the color, but because it is uh, our main region where the coffee is produced, the uh, wonderful quality for coffee as well. And they have a lot of influence for Italians, for Hispani uh, for Spanish people, for German people, and quite part of Jewish that arrived after the Second World War. Um, down the south is where we can find most of the uh, Indian culture and Black culture uh, as far as on the Pacific. And also we can find part of the Indian culture as well on the Amazonic Indian culture in the in the southeast as well. So if you see it is a mixture of everything uh, but everything is set up on a on a certain place uh, on a certain place. Bogota nowadays it's quite complicated. It's like uh, New York to say it in sort of a way that everyone goes in there but no one takes like property or or love for that city. So we will say like Bogota today has been uh, it's a city of no one, like the center of, of Colombia, but still we have our main majority of, of white heritage, of course, in the religion, in the way that we express ourselves, in our last names, most of them are Hispanic. Uh, it's quite complicated to find uh, uh, Indian last names or uh, 
black uh, last names as well. We also have a huge Jewish community. Uh, when they came here, they begin they began to uh, mix sure with people through the last name. So uh, the last the Spanish last names normally end on e es and the Jewish Spanish came from ez. So when you find um, last names, let's say, for example, Hernandez, uh, when you see that the last name ends in Z, it will be a Jewish. If the last name ends in S, it, it will be a, a Hispanic heritage. Okay, so how do you come into, uh, like, oh, what do you actually consider yourself, Diego? Well, I consider myself mostly part of uh, a Hispanic heritage. I remember that when we met um, ourselves, we talk a lot. Uh, I don't know if you, do you remember this group, uh, Races of the World, where they can qualify your phenotypic, uh, your phenotype. Mm -hmm. I got a, a lot of Hispanic part, or I, if I'm not wrong, like 65 Hispanic, uh, 22 Mediterranean and the rest uh, part of Indian. So I will consider my mostly uh, a white person, a white uh, a white man. But of course we have to take into consideration the whole culture. My whole family is Hispanic. My whole family, it, it has mostly white skin and our last names came totally from, uh, from the Spanish part as well. Our culture, the way that we express is totally Hispanic. So that bullying has a lot of influence as well. That makes sense. Um, so didn't you take a DNA test and you're like 95% Spanish? Yeah, yeah, indeed. But that was a long time ago. Uh, actually, there was a, a quite surprise. Uh, I do not remember. I guess it was around 2012, 2011, more or less, that many um, uh, comrades from Medellin, they began to use, uh, well, to have a DNA test to, to check if they do not have a, a Jewish heritage, you know? So I do it here on, on my end. I got 95% Hispanic, but uh, I think I, I got quite a, a good result based on, on my family as well. <laughs> so, like, how'd you come into this stuff? Uh, well, uh, regards the the third position or the the whole race uh, process. Uh, I often can and consider them intertwined in many ways, but where you feel like starting? Well, I start. Uh, this is a funny story. When I was uh, a young child, let's say um, eleven, ten years old, I get until the the Barras Bravas. They are like uh, hooligans, to say it in some sort of way, of uh, a team that is called America de Cali. Uh, it is not a, a team from Colombia, but I have been following that team since almost seven years old. So uh, one day I went with my group to Bucaramanga, that is on the southeast, and I get lost with uh, with three or four fellows. I was 15 years on that time. So uh, the, the hooligan band that I was was a, a communist or socialist band, basically. So they told you to to use the emblem with the uh, with the communist signs, and uh, I wore that uh, a lot. So uh, when I get lost, I found like twenty hooligans of the Bucaramanga's team. They were all with machetes. So imagine um, a fourteen, fifteen year old guy with uh, being persecuted with uh, angry people with machetes. So I. I was lucky and I escaped. I arrived to a store. They closed the store as well. And they were uh, three skinheads uh, lo looking at me, thinking what happened. 
the first thing that I saw them was a huge swastika here on, uh, on the arm and to wear wearing a, a swastika shirt. So I get really, really, really scared. But basically, they, uh, what they told me was, uh, are you OK, mate? And, and they offered me a beer. Uh, I told them that I was uh, a minor, so I do not drink. They buy me a, a Coke. And we started talking. They were always asking me for uh, the idea of communism that I had and all that stuff. And I was never able to refute them. So I started to, to read them what they brought me. The first read that I book was uh, Ethica Revolucionaria from Pedro Arela. And that changed my, my mind a lot because that was basically all what my mother and my father were, were teaching me to be, a good human being, to be a faithful guy, to be respect of the, of the culture, of the tradition, of the family. So I began to change all that left side uh, thinking and start to, to read about national socialism. And just to read it, I totally get in love with it. I mean, it was changed my life totally, helped me to, to fix my relationship with my mother, with my dad. Uh, I began to focus more on the important stuff, on to preserve my culture, to be an excellent human being, to show, to be an example, you know, to be a productive human being, not a, not a parasite, not just to stay on a, on a side drinking and, and getting drunk and doing all that shit that will not work for anything. So I begin to, uh, it totally changed my, uh, my cosmovision, the way that I took on life. I get a uh, faith in me, not a Catholic faith. I sympathize more with the, with the heathen thoughts as well. But it helped me a lot to encourage my life on a on a way better position than it was on that moment. That's actually a really cool way. I, I've noticed that a lot of people who come into this were often on the other side, as, as many Antifa and Sharps were on the other side. Um, so e each side is always constantly swapping people. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. I mean, basically what what you enter on the first end is on a gang, you know? It is like playing or on capture the flag. They have their symbols, we have our symbols, and we just hit each other to get uh, the bomber, to get the other people's boot, the other people's sign, and, and that's it. I mean, there is not like a real action to say, we can plan, I don't know, uh, we can immolate ourselves on a synagogue. That was something that a good friend of mine told me, that if you want to have real action, we have to leave all those gangs and start to working and focus on, on different stuff, you know? And that is something that I have been working on it. I mean, I try to be always not to be part of a gang, but try to be part of a movement. That is a different way of, of watching it, you know? If you think that it is most important to be bold, to have the bomber and to always saying, sick high, sick and that's it, that that will not be any difference on a black man that is showing the afro showing the i don't know the uh black panther t-shirt and saying black power black, black power that's it that will not make any difference instead if you start teaching yourself and the other people about your culture about your end that will make a change and mm -hmm. that's where you have to scale it totally you know it's not staying on the on the streets and, and on that end is being a thinker as well as an, as an activist. And that's what mainly came the difference. And that's also what Stukas taught, uh, taught me. Stukas is a band where I played for a long time ago. And I am and the most thankful, thankful people to be is with uh, 
my four mates that were Lucho, that was the manager, Cesar, that was the drummer, uh, Andres, aka Teddy, that was the, the guitar player, and, and Hugo, that was the other guitar player. And they told me to not to be on a gang, but be part of a movement. And that is something that we have to, to do, you know? When you are part of a movement, you start the fluctuation of being Antifa, being anti-Antifa, being sharp, being uh, chummy, being, I don't know, uh, gay lift matter, whatever the stuff it is, and you focus only on your band on, and on how to improve, how to work, to give a better perspective to people that what you are doing is the right way, is the right stuff. Well, a, a lot of the right wing is so focused on politics <laughs> that they miss the cultural element of totally. what is happening right now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was reading uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the Turner Diaries, you know, and mm -hmm. basically what we're, what we're living is how everything started, you know, if, if there is gets... one major difference between this and the Turner Diaries. There was actually a form of resistance back there in that book. That, that's exactly. probably the, uh, the only unrealistic you know, part of Dr. Pierce's novel. Exactly. But uh, and that is something that is really curious now that you mention it, because when I read that the Turner Diaries the first time, I was like, hey, we, we're never going to reach the, this point. But now when we are watching all the protests all around the world, they were how they attack uh, the statues, how they attack elder people because they are white and they don't uh, they attack animals because they, they are white. I mean, that's something that it is out of their mind, you know, they do not have, and that has to be with the lack of culture, as you mentioned, you know, they are only focusing, focusing on the political side that is uh, communist is good, uh, harmful capitalist is, uh, sorry, communist is bad and harmful capitalist is good, but where is the culture, where is the heritage, you know? If you do not know your history, you will never know where you are uh, go, uh, going through and where you are heading to. So how did you get into culture then? Like, what is it that you do to change the culture? Well, first of all, I am really, really proud of my of my history. I always going to exalt a lot the, the Hispanic culture, especially in the time it was the, the biggest empire. And it was the most humanistic uh, conquer, uh, conquer process, you know? And for example, with my wife, I always show him... Uh, for example, the, uh, the Cruz of Santiago or the Cruz of Borgonia, showing uh, our symbols, uh, how, we, uh, how important they are to know, you know, changing the, the concept that the Spanish were depraved monsters that they came, that they came here to rape, to destroy and, and to ruin everything. They came here on a, on a, on a conquer process. Of course, they were lost, they were killed, you know, they were abused like in any, any military campaign, but they changed a lot of the way of Indians were at, at that moment, you know, they helped him a lot. They gave them a lot of knowledge to improve. Of course, Indians were really advanced at the time. We can check on the Mayas or we can check on the, uh, on the Incans, the way they read the stars, the way that they have their cultives. It's really, really awesome how they have it on that way. But in, in type of knowledge, uh, European history has been always pioneer on what they came and what they do is part of what we are today. So I always try to encourage that part. I always try to show that uh, that black legend, it is not true at all. Actually, the black legend was- uh, That was some Anglo propaganda. Exactly. What, 
it was a horrible sabotage campaign to to try to destroy from the inner part the the biggest empire of the in the world at that time. I was actually told that it was really initiated by the Dutch. Exactly. Yeah. The, it was the Dutch at war with them. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. So basically, what happened with the Dutch uh, were that they were losing a lot of 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 territories, and also uh, in, in regards, we have uh, the French uh, pirates and the English pirates that were attacking constantly. Uh, English, uh, well, the Spanish Navy. So since the Spanish Navy was so strong militarily, they began to say lies about the the conquer process in order to destroy them from, from inside. You know, people that were not informed of the situation start saying, hey, oh, that's horrible. They do, they were doing all, all their stuff. They are horrible. Uh, they are inhuman. They have to be removed. You know, it's like talking about the Holocaust, you know, that the conquest process and, and both the Hispanic um, conquest process and the Holocaust are the two most historical facts that are um, quite complicated to to deny, you know? For example, if you say that the Holocaust never exists, I hope that Facebook will not close my account right now, but it is a fact, you know? And besides, if you mention, at least here in South America, that the uh, conquest process was not as inhuman as it was shown, they you, are, you are practically crucifix right now. But when you show them the difference between, for example, the, the Portuguese, uh, Conquer process, or even the the, uh, the English conquer uh, process in, in the Americas, uh, it is quite human, you know. It is quite uh, considered a lot of the Indians' right as well until uh, the independence came by. That was when Bolivar decided to destroy all all that behaviors and and when the uh, Colombian corruption started, actually. Yeah. Basically, the the legend is turned up to 27, pretty much. Uh, there were atrocities, and the English were notorious for probably even more atrocities, simply for the fact, instead of overruling them, they just pushed them out of the way. Exactly. Um, same as always, no, no idea, Blake on him. So Diego's been my buddy since what, 2014? I guess a little bit less. I guess 2013, more or less, 2014. Yeah, yeah kind of. So I've known Diego for years. I found him through uh, Colto Solar Records. Records. Yeah. Larry. Larry. So actually, let's talk about the band since that's how I really found you. Well, in, in Colombia, we had a lot of good talent. Unfortunately, it's quite hard to, to find support, you know. Uh, it's really sad to find support more in the outside of the country than in the inner side of the country. What do I mean with that? Uh, at least with my experience from Estucas, it was really, really hard for us to to work and get known, you know. And we were even more recognized by bands like Offbrook, like Vinland Warriors, uh, even uh, Vase Wolf by a cover that we have uh, for Hill Combat. Then here in the, in the national uh, scene, you know, unfortunately many people prefer to enter free on a gig and get drunk on a gig than to support the gig and the bands. Uh, we have a 
a lot of examples as well with uh, Goodfellas, another band uh, that didn't last that much, but it was really good, uh, Conductor Radical. Uh, we have another band like Eugenesia that they were being able to open, to open themselves to the international markets with a huge success, and I'm really glad for them. Uh, but if we talk about uh, Colombian bands, we should mention three bands. Uh, first, Wetramanaland, the second one, Orgullo Nacional, and the third one, uh, Quinta Columna. Those are like the best pillars to mention in some sort of a way about the the Colombian musical, uh, musical style, especially uh, Orgullo Nacional. It's for me, that band is the perfect Colombian band. I mean, it, 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 it's, I'm speechless to them. And I have been the, the fortune to play with them uh, a couple of times. Uh, Juan Carlos, that is the leader, is a wonderful human being. He is always pending to check and to help other bands, to incentivate them, to, to make them improve. So, uh, I'm really glad uh, that we have that support. We can, uh, don't forget about the support that we are receiving as well from Tercera Fuerza, that they were always inviting us to the, to the different gigs. They were always taking us into consideration. And um, also, well, uh, Cultural Solar Records as well, that invited us a couple of times. But uh, it's not the problem of the organizers, but the people who go to the gigs. For example, when we released our first, uh, our first demo, uh, they um, uh, we have to to give the demos a gift because they were not thinking about to buying uh, our product. You know, you know that a band is more uh, an expense than an than an investment because what you spend is, is spend time on uh, practicing, on creating the material, editing it, creating the songs, all that stuff is really hard and unfortunately it is not valued for. Uh, for our work it is. We do not say that people are horrible because they moved a lot when, when we play and they support us uh, by assisting to the gigs, but it's saying like the, the culture of, of trying to having everything free than paying and supporting those sort of events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, them and uh, in Argentina are the two Latin countries that seem to have decent bands coming out of them. I would have to agree say. Well, Argentina, it's quite, quite nice. I like uh, two bands, not, uh, well, of course, we have Nuremberg and Ultrasur that are wonderful bands, Gladius as well. But there are two bands that are uh, quite not known, but if you have the chance, hear to them. One is uh, Septimo Batallón de Castigo, and the other one is Aesir. Those are uh, ASU is a black metal project. It's outstanding, the performance. And uh, Septimo Batallón de la Muerte is um, like a rock metal, kind of sounds kind sort of Batallón de Castigo, the Spanish band. And they play really, really, really well. Um, in regards of uh, the other countries, I've not been having like the opportunity to know more of, more of them. I guess that in Mexico will be like Sun City Skins, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, ah, of course, Chile, we have uh, good ch uh, Chilean bands like Pelea de Ratas, for example. Odal Sieg is Odal my Sieg. favorite Chilean band. Yeah. yeah, I forgot that one. That That is awesome. Yeah, totally. But um, actually, before I forget, I did post to Facebook. Uh, send me those bands. I'll post them up on Facebook. 
Of course, I will do it immediately. As soon as you have a chance, if YouTube does not have it, we will find it away. Awesome, thank you. So, uh, so the the bands and everything. Well, most people don't really think of uh, skinheads from Latin America. It's not the big skinhead capital, uh, but the hooligan culture is big there. So I could see how skinheads would get caught up into that. Like, how did the skinhead movement? How did NS really start in Latin America? Well, I've never been as a skinhead, so that will be like quite complicated for me to talk about it, you know? I, if you know, if you see, I've always are having the, like my long hair and I always been moving more towards the, the black metal side, the, the metal side. Regarding the skinheads, I'm not pretty sure about it. I, I remember that once uh, a former old skinhead uh, that was named Johnny, that was the create, uh, the, the proper former of Tercera Fuerza, he lives now in Spain, he told me the story. But to be honest with you, I do not remember. I normally try not to get involved uh, in gangs, as he mentioned. So talking about skinheads or, or metalheads inside of the NS movement, it is valid, but I prefer to identify ourselves all, all as a third position or a third position members. That's like, would be like the main focus in it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're bald, if you are long hair, whatever you are, as long as you support this cause and you work for it, I think it will be more valid than identifying yourself as, hey, you're a skinhead or uh, you are, I don't know, a, a, a Nazi punk, a, a metalhead, a, a whatever. Mm. Well, uh, the reason I ask is, how did how did national socialism really come to Colombia? Because I know there were uh, the, like Nazis that went down there during like Operation Condor and all those little things. Like, how did the ideology really grow there? Assuming it's so multicultural. Well, actually, that's uh, a really nice uh, question, and. It is really funny, you know. Luckily, Colombia has always been working hand by hand with Germany. Uh, the first airplanes that came here to Colombia were by uh, were came in Germany. They were members of the Luftwaffe as well that came here to teach the first pilots to uh, to run the planes. The the first um, um, anthropologists that came here to Colombia and formed the Colombian Anthropological uh, Institute was a national socialist as well. He came. Uh, he was sent by Hitler in order to. Uh, to search for Aryanism in Indians, in Amazonic Indians. Uh, we have been history, for example, as Laureano Gomez, that was a really, really intimate friend from Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler as well. So uh, we have always been sympathizing with the third position. Luckily, uh, when the uh, Second World War started, uh, Laureano Gomez took a very, uh, complicated decision because he decided to support the US instead of supporting Germany. And even though we have 90% of the whole military forces supporting the, the National Socialist Movement, Laureano Gomez decided to uh, firm uh, a neutral pact. As well, we had a National Socialist Party as well that was created in uh, in Barranquilla, that is a city of the north, and we and and they also have a, a certain uh, part of reunions, you know. Uh, besides that, uh, 
we have a fascist movement called uh, the Leopardos uh, that was also given by uh, a person, a really important person, Gilberto Alzatea Vendaño, and was always trying to support uh, and to create a fascist culture. We also have been uh, surrounded by the uh, uh, a violent period that is called a violencia that were liberals against conservators. And the uh, liberales were saying today as all that progress bullshit movement, you know? And uh, conservatives will be like the right-wing uh, pro-capital movement. But of course, they were uh, quite devoted to the, to the faith. They were quite uh, conservative regarding the, 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 their traditions. And there was uh, two extremist uh, factions from those sides. One was the Chulavita, that was like the extremist uh, liberal force, and the Godos, or the Gods, that was the... Um, conservator side. The gods were practically, practically the, the, nation, the national or the faces of the sides. They were the ones who, if they see a, a leftist, they kill it immediately. And on that period, it was really hard because uh, if you have a brother that was liberal and you were uh, uh, a conservative, you kill yourself in your own mother's house, as an example. So it was really, really hard to update it. And we have a, a figure that is quite enigmatic, uh, updated uh, that came on on that period that was Jorge Eliezer Gaitan. He uh, had a huge uh, influence. Was uh, he was a lawyer and he specialized itself during the whole period for uh, the uh, the fascist uh, government by Benito Mussolini. He also was intimate intimate friend of his teacher Enrico Ferri. So he had a lot of the, of this third position uh, movement, and actually his thesis that is called uh, El Socialismo in America Latina is basically uh, the main camp on how to apply it on on South American countries. So it was really uh, an intense period, but when he arrives, he decided to go to the uh, to the Liberal Party, not to the Conservative Party, and when he was killed. Uh, everything, everything went crazy. I mean, we started another violent period that it was harder than the other one. And after that, uh, the traditional parties that are uh, liberal and conservador establish itself and they take a whole new um, neoliberalism tendency. So that part of the tradition and that uh, third position hold stood by until uh, recent years that have been growing up again. But it's like uh, by waves, you know, when it started everything with uh, part of, of, of Tercera Fuerza in, in Ibagué that was part of the cafeteria region, many people were having a lot of, of influences in the, uh, in the, um, sorry, Luz de Dia. Nationalist influencing in regards to uh, other position, but that has been losing right now. I mean, today we are a huge, huge minority, and it's really, really hard. But we are trying to encourage people to open their eyes, you know, to find that nationalism is a way, not being a fucking progre or being like uh, a puppet pick from the system, saying like, "Oh, I support gays, I support uh, drug dealers, I support everything," because that's how I, I realize myself as a human being.
that's what we are finding today. We are finding we are finding against modernity, and it's quite hard because I I think myself that this is a word that is lost already. But we have to stand the position, you know. I try myself to have a strong family with my wife. I try myself to show as a as an old-fashioned man because that's mm -hmm. how we stand against modernity by being polite, by showing manners, by showing that you can help an an elder uh, an elder person, but show, uh, showing that you are a good neighbor, that you work really hard to have your stuff and you are going to take care of it as uh, awesome. uh so is there a time limit on you diego because i was thinking like an hour and a half no actually that that would be perfect i start to work today at 11 p.m okay uh, uh, so not a problem <laughs> no lies is an hour and a half good for you since this is going pretty well yeah going it nice. is perfect We're at okay time, by the way yeah, so I was thinking uh, we were going to play a song, Diego, send him one of your favorites, and um, we're going to go on a little bit of a break right now. All right. Sure. I will send it right now through, through the chat. Give me okay. one minute, okay? Yep, sounds good. Make sure to share this video and give us shekels. Biggest reason I do this stuff is so I can get some money, you know? Yeah, you still have to <laughs> send me that Bitcoin wallet address. I am making it today. I am actually going to make it. Because Are you actually going to make it? At the world. it? took me like five minutes to make my own one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll get that done. We'll get that done today so I can make it rain on them hoes. You know. Um. I actually do have an acoustic guitar. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn one of Diego's songs so I can play that for you. Sweet. Yeah. That. Yeah. That will be great because I was checking some of our covers. But it seems that YouTube removed all these songs from Stuka, so let me oh, see what I, what can you find. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. I wish but, I could, I wish I could send you the files because I still have that CD. I think I still have two of them. One of them didn't sell, or I didn't push it, and uh. Well, you still have it. Wow, that's really really nice. If you can show it to the public, that will be awesome because that's the last memories okay. I have of the band. Once we go to break, I'll, I'll grab it from my car. I still play it. I get funny looks when I drive through the Spanish neighborhood. Well, that's really awesome because, <laughs> well, actually, knowing that you still have that CD and, and you play it, that makes my day because since uh, Stukas is not working anymore, it's really, really uh, nostalgic to see that people take really care of what we made and we were able to pass our message along, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, not that I can understand it. Well, the important thing is that you heard it in your heart. You it. <laughs> I, I'm actually wearing one of my Spanish shirts that Larry ended up sending me. Oh, uh, Culto Solar Records. Nice, really nice. You, um, you, need to, you need to do another album. Well, it's quite complicated because Stukas is not working right now. Uh, because we, we decided to end the band. We were uh, working really, really hard. Uh, I'm going to send you the link so you can uh, pass it along. It is uh, for Orgullo Nacional. That is one of the best bands that we have here in Colombia. It was with uh, a collaboration with Afbrook as well, with Manuel in the, in, in the drums. I have sent it uh, right now. So I'm really, uh, I hope that the people that are listening to this, uh, to this post will enjoy it as, as much as I enjoy listening to Orgullo Nacional as well. Okay. Hmm. 
I'll just get this shit set up. Alright. We should be good to play that song now.
already well blake and blake was doing something i don't know what oh nice oh, we've no, got a host no. rosie mozzie the, uh, thank champion. you bro we're we're having another one of your southern hemisphere friends right <laughs> i don't think, wait technically bogata isn't underneath the uh the hemisphere is it it goes through ecuador what are we uh, i got lost <laughs> I don't think, uh, well, okay, so we're going to nerd out here, okay? Okay. So we were talking about how uh, NS came through from actual legit National Socialists. So you never really actually said what draws Colombians into it. Well, in the late 50s, late 40s, and late 30s, well, yeah, actually during the 20s until the 40s, uh, Colombia... uh, especially in the center where having a huge white majority, you know, where like 80%, 82% of the whole country were white people. And here in the center of, of Colombia where I will dare to say almost 85%, 90% of the people that live in the center of the country were white. In, in the North, they were a lot of white people as well. So we were having a huge strong strong uh influence actually uh one of the co of the of the quotes that were given by hitler was that bogota was the south american athens because we were having such an improvement an improvement sorry such a huge development in regards of uh, culture uh science uh, even politics it was really really nice in sports we were doing it great and Besides that, for example, there is um, an avenue in, in Germany that is called uh, Bogot Avenue that, is, uh, that it was named by Hitler in honor to, to, to Bogot as well. So we were like having like uh, a flirting, like uh, very cute looks between Germany and Colombia, <laughs> but we never concrete something. So <laughs> it was uh, a far love side. So... Oh, okay, we're about to really, really dirt out because I know a lot of people have done this kinds of stuff. Okay, so Kennard asks, in Colombia, is there a lot of Italian drug le- or drug dealers? Yeah, yeah, I mean, to say it in sort of a way, of a way yes. I mean, uh, we are unfortunately um, with an narcotic culture. Uh, our culture, after Pablo Escobar, he said, uh, if you are the the biggest drug dealer, you are the badass and you will have easy money, you know? Unfortunately, after the independence, we were thought to be the most near Jewish culture, to say it in sort of a way. If you can... Uh, are are scam... you comparing Colombia and America? What? <laughs> no, 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 no. I am comparing the, the, the new Colombian culture with part of the Jewish culture. Why? Because we were thought to be 
uh, scamming people to thinking on the easy way to get money, you know? And that's really sad because we were losing our identity. So being part of, of the narco culture, of being part of the drug dealer, of supporting these, uh, these cartels is part of our history and sadly of our culture today. So Pablo Escobar, you know what I recently found out? And I think I found it out years ago, but I refound it out. <laughs> he was completely white. Pablo Escobar was fully Spanish and he was Basque Spanish. Did you know that? Yeah, and besides that, he was a fucking leftist as well. He wait, he was a leftist? I yeah. always assumed he had deals with both sides. I didn't think he no. played politics. No, actually, we have a really, really sad um, part of our history that is called uh, eh, the Masacre eh, del Palacio de Justicia. It was that a guerrilla called the M-19 entered through the uh, Justice Palace, that is well, uh, where the, the Congress was at that moment, and they start killing everything in order to remove evidence that makes Pablo Escobar guilty. So there were a lot of people who massacred them, they killed them, and when the, the militaries take action, they enter and they killed everyone in the Justice Palace. So it has been a leftist media, a leftist mediatic as uh, process against the state, saying that the militaries were the ones who caused the massacre, that they disappear people, that they kill people, and unfortunately, many people who disappear, they were a part of that guerrilla. And the guerrilla, after that, they began to enter into a dialogue process, to say it in sort of a way. And now we have an asshole like Gustavo Petro that was part of that guerrilla or um, I forgot that name now. Uh, Navarro Wolf as well, another uh, person, Jewish, by the way, uh, who uh, have huge political influence right now in regards for uh, for what happened in, in the massacre of, uh, of the Justice Palace that was in 1991. And Pablo Escobar was a really, really horrible, uh, horrible human being, you know? I don't know if I mentioned that uh, to you, I think that I have told you a couple of years ago that I was almost a victim of one of, of Pablo Escobar's uh, bombing uh, issues. I no, was... yeah, you re I remember asking it when I was watching the, the Netflix Pablo Escobar series. Yeah, motherfucker, Pablo Escobar, I really hate him with all my life. Well, uh, okay, so why is he an icon of Hispanic uh, masculinity? Because he have all the women that he has. It is, I mean, I, I think it is like a wrong masculinity, you know, because he was not a man of, of family. He was always being with other women. He was always getting uh, the woman that they, that they want for money. They offer young ladies of 14, 15 years, uh, $4,000, $5,000. To have to spend one night with him, if they refuse, they kill all their all, their all, all the uh, little child's family, for example. You know, so it's basically the symbol of getting, of having money, of having women, and of course having power. So has Mexico overtaken you guys with the uh, the drugs, or is Colombia still the uh, drugs number one? 
And the issue is that we have different functions. Colombia is the, produce, is the producer, but Mexico is the one who makes it through the frontier, you know? So comparing, comparing it between uh, one function or another will be quite hard, you know? If we can compare ourselves in regards to drug production, we can talk, for example, with Afghanistan that produces a lot, a lot of heroin, you know? Or even Russia that they produce a lot of, of crocodile. But in regards of the roots, Mexico will be always the king. And that's why they have that much power, you know, because they are the ones who said, hey, I will, uh, you can pass the drug through here, but you will have to pay me the double for the drug or 75%, 50% of so, the charge. So basically, they're the bank of drugs. Exactly, exactly. And uh, about a funny story is that even though Mexico, Mexico has a huge military power in regards of the drugs, you can see it, everything of this Chapo novel, they have ne never, never dared to touch Colombia because you know that Colombia, uh, if they enter Colombia, they will enter on a war that they will lose. And it's you funny because, so? oh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they, will, they would have more men, but the Colombian people has, is uh, a country and ourselves have been trying to kill each other to de to destroy each other since the beginning of our country and we have not been able to make it so we are used to war we yeah, live on it's a... forged through iron exactly so if they came here i can guarantee you that mexicans will lose of course it is not the idea because i do not want uh another culture, a cartel war besides the one that we have it. But if they came here to fight, they will have to fight uh, Las Farc for one side, that, that huge guerrilla. They have to fight uh, the remainings of the paramilitary uh, people that do not uh, move themselves. And besides that, they have to, to fight. The Cali cartel, the Medellin cartel, still there are some cartels in there. So it's quite uh, a huge movement of, uh, of power and drugs. And it will be like, we do not go there and you will not touch in here, basically. Okay. So like, what was the rise of political paramilitaries in Colombia? Uh, everything is fault of the state and of course for the guerrilla. What happened? Uh, when there is lack of a state, you know, uh, that the state is not having any presence or any importance in one side, people get forgotten. If people get forgotten, they are going to get uh, ill. They are going to have financial problems. They will have land problems. So what they do is we create a guerrilla. In fact, uh, part of the guerrilla was given through leftist influence, influences, sorry, in the late 50s, in the late, in the early 60s. If I'm not wrong, I think a little bit earlier. And we have been part always of the South American leftist plan. Uh, so they came here with several influences. They uh, sell that uh, communist bullshit uh, speech saying, we have all the equal rights. We are going to, to kill all the patrons. We are, we are going to kill the government to, to, to create uh, uh, the perfect society, the ideal society where everything is going to be right. And they, boom, they create the guerrilla. Uh, the FARC. Then it came the ELN and other little guerrillas that I do not remember. Uh, besides that, of course, uh, they begin. They began a lot of abuse of power. You know that people who never had power, if they 
are not prepared for handling, they will get crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So they began kidnappings, they began to sympathize with narco traffic at that moment in the in the 70s, you know, that there was a huge marijuana uh, a, in, a exchange between US and, and Colombia, uh, well, South America, actually. Well, I, I know the, the CIA, former Nazis, um, even some actual U.S. military guys trained, quote-unquote, far-right death squads, and the Soviets also trained some of the communists, plus the Cubans, which the Cubans are very influential with the left-wingers in oh, South totally. America. Totally. They are like the, the center, you know? And um, well, uh, we are going to reach to that part, I'm pretty sure, but uh, continuing with the point before I, before I losing it, they go to the to the northwest part of the country, you know, to the cafeteria region, and they began to to take abuse of the people who were cowboys. They were taking all uh, their cows. They were killing them because yes, because they have the power. So what happened? Um, the cowboys get tired, and they uh, armed th themselves, and the remedy was even worse than the sickness because there was a guy that was named Carlos Castaño Hill. If you have a chance to read his book, uh, My Confession, he's a guy that I really, really admire a lot. He was really focused on to remove Colombia about the communist virus, and he refuses to get involved in narco-traffic to have resources. He was killed by his two brothers and other paramilitary uh, partners, to say it in some sort of a way. And uh, they became another uh, narco-traffic group. What happened with the paramilitaries and it's like this whole boom, mediatic boom and negative boom that they're having is that the paramilitaries have support of the government. Of mm. course, if they are killing your, your cows, they're killing your people, your sons, your dad, and not on a very friendly manner, because they killed them on machete, they killed them with a shot in the head in front of your eyes. That was something that uh, Carlos Castaño lived. Uribe, even though Uribe is not part of uh, my favorite, he uh, he got killed some familiars of of him, and he was governor of uh, governor of the state of Antioquia at the moment that the that the paramilitary uh, the paramilitary arm was was created. Even though people think that Uribe was the game, uh, the uh, thought that gave the authorization, it was uh, a mason called Horacio Serpa, a horrible human being as well. All those Colombian politics are the issue die of Ebola. But uh, going back to the story, uh, they, uh, he was the one that gave authorization. Of course, military came to the Gulf of Uraba. That is a, a really a strategical part that will, that will control basically the northwest part of Colombia. And they create in their, uh, the paramilitary groups. Then they be began to expand. And they had a lot of positive, of positive reception before they get involved in, in narcotics. Well, yeah, it's a, a paramilitaries and revolutions and, uh, well, just militaries in general function through outside morale as much as they function from inside morale. Exactly. You can have totally. a bunch of high energy gun ho guys 
and just one fuck up will turn the public against you. Totally. It it's, works it, the same. PR is important on all ends for the military itself and for the outsiders looking in. And that's one thing that the U.S. is starting to lose is the PR from both inside and outside of it. Totally. Actually, in regards to the paramilitary history, it was the other side. There was only one guy that was correct. That was Carlos Castaño, and he died because he refused to, to get there. You know, the other people were corrupted by the money, and they lost the part of the anti-communist ideal because they well, get involved on the same way. I mean, I am supportive that, the as, as Machiavello says, that the end justifies the media, but you do not have to change, well, to convert, to convert yourself as of what you are trying to destroy, you know? Do you know if that book's in English? Yeah, I, I think that it will be. Let me go ahead and check. Because uh, that one would be a good one to read. I've been reading uh, Jack Donovan and other like pagan and uh, self-defense books lately. So, uh, so going into that, how intertwined is the right wing with the Catholic Church? On mm. on the beginning, it was fine, you know, but unfortunately, the the Catholic Church has been really. Uh, not quite collaborative and the right wing has been taking into a new liberal to be honest with you it will be really hard to say that we are a right wing right now as you have it in your country or in i don't know maybe in poland or uh, austria i think are good examples greece for example you know here our right wing is someone that is anti-communist but is um but support the open market, you know? Yeah. It is just a name. And uh, the left wing, they are open market and they are the whole progressive uh, shit. So it they are... basically sounds like the whole world has accepted the American right wing plan. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's hard to accept it, but that's a battle that we lost, you know? That the Voice of Freedom unfortunately came on the on the wrong side of the of the river, and it was un, uh, understood on the wrong way. You know, everyone now uh, gets uh, behind the the freedom of speech to justify unjustifiable unjustifiable acts. It is just to uh, to check about the, that new pedophile movement. You know, that they are part of the LGTB and all that other letters. Besides uh, supporting that they are also giving love to child and they have the, the freedom to do it. Also, you know that in Canada, they have those new Sophia laws that they are trying to, to approve. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really crazy, you know? It's like uh, that freedom of, of speech, also we have to take into consideration that it's a really anti-white speech. And the best example is South Africa, now that you mentioned it uh, this afternoon, you know? You know, everyone knows what is going on on South Africa. Everyone knows about the, the, the anthem of the political party that is uh, ruling South Africa, you know? Kill the boy, kill the white man. 
and no one claims about it. Imagine if it was being towards, you know, like what happened in the US, there was a, this, the, this criminal, of course, it was police abuse, but uh, everyone starts, I can breathe, I can breathe, I am, I forgot the name of this black guy, sorry. And they are refusing on the freedom of speech to destroy statues. Yeah, to the George Floyd epidemic. George Floyd, exactly. And magically, when the George Floyd issue happened, there was no COVID case in in New York, you know? And they start claiming like fighting and arguing in everything in regards for the freedom of speech. They have the freedom to destroy slavery. They have the freedom to destroy the white man has being oppressive. And we have also a bunch of white dudes that they have the freedom to forgive themselves of, of being white. I mean, every speech, every action taken today on is a, a clear anti-white action and hidden under uh, uh, a beautiful utopia that everyone is going to be equal, everyone is going to have the, the same rights. And we know that under the, the, the modern laws, we have to understand that we live under a certain nature and the, and the nature is the strongest lives, period. Mm -hmm. Have hierarchy, period, that's it. And they are refusing to accept these laws because they are weak. They cannot handle it. They cannot handle pressure. It's how it works in this massively pampered world. So I have two comments and then no lives. You can drop the link in there and see if we can get anyone on here because we got another 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So David says, yeah, I have an LG TV. It fucking sucks. Started fucking around after three years. I don't know why people march because of these damn TVs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd just like to get in and say that on this channel, we don't use the name George Floyd. His name is George Broyd. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Okay. Good to so, know, yeah. Uh, and then Kennard's talking about a Samsung TV. Works just fine. And also Samsung washing machine. Makes everything really clean and white. Of course. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. throw that link in there. We will at least get one other person, which is going to be David. Because David always pops in here because we're like best buddies. Sure. But, um, yeah, before we start having people on here, make sure, where can people find you? Well, uh, actually, I have my, uh, my Facebook that is by Diego Lara. And that will be it. Or under my Instagram, that is Diego.Lara90. Uh, I use normally those social medias to, well, to, to publish. I publish mostly on, on Jiu-Jitsu. That is what I do the most. Or pictures with my family, you know? Showing that having a strong family is the, the best uh, base to stand against a modern world. Awesome. Yeah, we will wait until someone comes in here and see if they have any questions. Uh, Diego, you're going to create another album. Uh, I will help you pay for it. Also, you need to get me your your favorite soccer jersey so I can wear it up here. Ah, sure. Yeah, of the America. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have to, to send it to you. Also, the, the, the Stukas t-shirt. Uh, unfortunately, Stukas is not uh, working anymore. We get tired for 
part of the movement where they only were thinking of getting drunk, they even fight themselves, you know? So we tried to give a message and was what we were uh, uh, talking uh, a couple of, uh, of minutes ago that people do not support the band, you know? It's quite hard for us to deliver a message of showing proud of your Hispanic roots, showing proud of the military actions taken against the leftists. And people just think of saying, seek how, seek how I'm white and I'm getting drunk. So it's quite complicated. It's a, a coalition of interest. So we decided to stop. I was the, the first guy who, who quit the band because it was really making me ill because I do not enjoy playing on those gigs. So I decided to dedicate myself on jujitsu and it's have been my best decision. I mean, being on jujitsu is changed my whole life, get me also getting uh, focus on the Bushiro as well and focus myself as well. I mean, if nationalist, uh, if white nationalism was uh, what made me to focus my life, jujitsu, make me move to the next level. It helped me in everything. And now I only practice jiu-jitsu and that's, that's my life about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started jiu-jitsu. I'm not very good at it. I come from a <laughs> wrestling background. And uh, nice. well, uh, I guess you could call it folk wrestling because I never actually had any formal training other than middle school. So you, you basically learn how to roughhouse with your buddies and your friends. No lives you ever do wrestling? No, no, actually not. But um, the way that I fight, the way that I control has a lot of wrestling background. I don't know why, because I have been trying like to focus on jiu-jitsu, but many of my controls are focused on, on wrestling. So I guess that I have been learning of it. I have been the luck of having three wonderful teachers, a teacher that is Luis Arbaud, um Cesar Rodriguez, and as well, um, uh, George Beltran as well. Those are my three jiu-jitsu teachers and they have been taught me a lot, not only on the sport, but as a, as a human being on how to improve myself, how to be a, a, an old fashioned summary to say it in some, in some sort of a, of a way, you know, to have honors, to be a better human being. So jiu-jitsu is... Well, you, you need that layer of adversity to break through. And if not, you become stagnant and, and pretty well gay. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just lame. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, you know, that part of our uh, convictions is to have body, mind and spirit. You know, unfortunately, uh, many people work the mind, but forgot the body so we don't or forgot the spirit we have or vice versa people who only work the body but forgot the mind or the spirit or people that are really spiritual but they their temple their body is a mess so i try to be um to complete the three of them i read a lot i consider myself a very spiritual uh person and now with jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu actually uh, save my life. I don't know if I have told you that as well. When I started practicing jiu-jitsu, I smoked almost four packages of cigarettes. That was 80 cigarettes a day. I, Dude, I remember talking about it. Uh, yeah. you, you, you made fun of me for lighting my pipe with a lighter. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's... <laughs> deserved it. 
that that deserves some insults because as soon as I started just actually like every time I go to the tobacco shop asking for lighters, it, it tasted way better and it lit better and everything. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, uh, after jujitsu, I was waiting only 48 kilos. And when I start um, in training, I end uh, a depressive stage that I have on my life because I ended a three-year relationship that was really, really destructive for me. I was almost not going to make it in my studies because, uh, well, I am a cooker. And the leader of the point said that she was going to do everything to be fired. And besides that, I smoke a lot and I have a lot of problems with my family. When I start training jujitsu, that was a quit. And in, to be honest with you, in months, in months and a half with my wife's help, of course, I stopped smoking. I do not drink anymore. I, now I am waiting uh, 70 kilos. More of them are fat due to the quarantine, but 70 is better than 48, you know? <laughs> well, you're, you're like five, five too exactly. as well. So you you were you've always been a really tiny guy from what you made made it sound like. Yes, yes, exactly. And jujitsu is the perfect sport for for tiny guys. You know, my girl is uh one fifty one fifty five if I'm not wrong. She's ten centimeters less than me. She weighs uh, almost uh, forty eight kilos, and she kicks my ass every time that that we train. She's a little beast. So it helped us a lot and, and it changed you the spirit totally. So I, I, I know I need to take it a little more seriously because right now I'm slacking because we, we had the 4th of July and so I couldn't go. And then after that, I, uh, well, I had to work and uh, work consumes it all right now. Totally. Yeah, actually, for example, I... A request to have my working schedules in the night from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. to 7 a.m. Um, on customer service. Actually, I, I, I work for, for Lyft, you know? And the idea for that is that I have my spaces to train, to, to train jujitsu. And now, now due to the quarantine has been really hard to train, but I have my wife that is always encouraging, encouraging me to to train to not be lazy because right now I'm really fat, you know, I almost have boobs, so <laughs> I have to get back to the exercise. And that's part of being uh, a better human being and, and being a, a better nationalist, you know, to overwhelm those, these type of circumstances and became even better. Yep, uh, someone's asking you if you've trained in other styles as well as jujitsu. Yeah, well, when I was, younger i started boxing i boxed for around one year and a half two years then i have to stop because i start cooking and then i came back i started training mixed martial arts for around four months i had to stop again because of the cuisine and when i came back i um, entered to a mixed martial arts academy but when i have my first jiu-jitsu class i decided to move that and I get in love with 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 jujitsu, but of course I have boxing uh, uh, background. I have some sort of uh, street fighting background, a little bit of my time background, but um, I really love grappling more than striking. Mm -hmm. I I suck at 
I'm only good at grappling sports, and it's probably because I'm a heavier guy. So, and then I'm shorter, and I have uh, a higher torso than I do legs. So I'm actually really built for grappling sports. Uh, so for I, I've done kickboxing for probably a year and a half, broken up. Yeah, I remember that. Five months. I suck at it to this day. I can't kickbox worth my life. Well, it's a matter of of being um, of keep doing it, you know. For example, I am not very flexible on on jujitsu, but I develop my style on on on, pleasure, uh, on, on pressure. Sorry, <laughs> and being able to find your own way to understand your body and apply those characteristics will help you a lot. I mean, for example, maybe if you do not try to focus on high kicks on kickboxing, even though they are important, you can work on having a perfect low kick that you kick the, the leg and that guy will not be moving the rest of the fight, for example, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know that you can because you have been showing me a lot of videos in the past and you have been showing me all the progress, all the progress that you were having at the gym and at the kickboxing. So mm -hmm. it is a matter of just like wanting it and not being lazy, like, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no lies. Have you started your uh, your MMA martial arts regiment yet? I've been working really hard on the run foo. What? What? Sorry. The run foo. It's where whenever someone squares up, you turn around and run like hell. Ah. Oh, so you've been working on your cardio. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I haven't. All the all the actual martial arts gyms are still closed. Well, I, I just go get two pairs of boxing gloves and actually find a friend. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. That. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, dude, I actually, or... I think tomorrow I'm gonna drive down to my buddy's house and throw the gloves at him and tell him to square up. I, ironically, it's the same guy that there's videos online of me knocking him out. He's the guy that chips my teeth, and then I am going to tell the same kid to square up. Why not? Just wear a mouth guard this time. Save those, save well, those dude, I have teeth. a mouth guard. I just never actually molded it yet because oh, they always suck. When, oh, no, dude, when I bought it, it was right after I I did a trip because I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna sign up for kickboxing or jujitsu. I got the money, whatever, and then yeah, after about a year hiatus, and then when I get when I get back to my area. I, Fucking Corona shut everything. So I bought a fucking mouth guard for nothing. And now that I'm doing it, I don't even feel like getting up in the morning to fucking go to kickboxing because jujitsu is the only thing I'm willing to wake up for because everything's in the mornings. Well, actually, you uh, you can practice uh, boxing in your house, you know? It is just a matter of placing a pillow and practice the the basic striking. And jujitsu, you can practice it everywhere. It doesn't have to be on a... On a gym, actually, you can practice any martial art without being uh, on a gym. At least you can do some cardio, some basic movements. Mm -hmm. You know that basic is works works for everything. For example, in boxing, there is only ten types of uh, of hits, and that works for the whole fight. So you have the two jabs, the two crosses, uppers. The um, I forgot how to say it in English. The the ganchos that. Well, okay, um, so so the basic English, ones be a are the jabs, the crosses, yeah. <laughs> crosses and haymakers, uh, and then after that, there's the undercut, and they're all like number pattern. I still do those, uh, 
I was trying to figure out how you really roll with wrestling or jujitsu by yourself. I've heard it talked about, but I, I was trying to figure out that aspect. How do you do that by yourself? Well, for example, you can, uh, you can practice uh, basic entrance with a chair, you know, how to pass the guard with the, the chair legs, for example. Uh, you can practice uh, burpees to practice the, the sprawls. You can practice uh, wrestling entrances. You can practice uh, shrimps to practice the, the hip movement. You know, you can practice imaginary triangles, imaginary arm bars with, uh, with a process. What I used to do, what I used to do when uh, this was post-divorce and I, I was just angry, what I used to do actually is I had a punching bag and I would throw it around like a wrestling thing. Yeah, actually that 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 works perfectly. And also with when you throw the the punching bag to the to the floor, you can work transitions. You know, moving from a hundred kilos to the mount or moving through a hundred kilos to the other side. Actually, I had a, a dummy with arms and I practiced a lot arm bars uh, and kimuras. So I know that at least when the quarantine is over, I will be an arm bar and a and a quarantine and a kimura master. You know, that's not my fighting style, but that's the tool that I have at the moment and. Everything is an improve is an opportunity to improve in jiu-jitsu. Either you le- uh, you win or you learn. And now that I am living with my wife, I'm learning that I got my ass kicked all the time. But <laughs> I learned hey, something. <laughs> Without struggle, there is no victory. Oh, like uh, another okay. thing I would do is obviously you can shadow box in the bathrooms. You know wherever there's a mirror and everything. Um, I I've gotten. Since I expect Corona to hit again, I, I'm getting some kettlebells to help with my kickboxing and jujitsu, and there's uh, different L, different things you can do on that. And I mean, hell, even if I just feel like being lazy and doing stuff at home, I got a punching bag, I got some shit to, uh, I, I got some weights and a bar and everything. So I, I'm basically making my own little gym here just in case everything closes up which I'm yeah. expecting. Yeah, and and actually that's a really, really uh, intelligent uh, idea, you know, because you are anticipating to the facts. And besides that, of course, you need guidance of a master. For example, my, my teacher sent me videos where I can practice my techniques at home with the tools that I have at home. It is really important to have those sort of, um, of ideals. You know, now that I'm moving to a little apartment, I'm going to buy a little... Uh, tatami with my wife and we were we are gonna practice in there she's always motivating me i'm a, i've been a little bit lazy in the quarantine as well my wife is quite more active than than i am but she's always motivating me to do some exercise uh to at least do some cardio in in, in all the possible ways so um that's really important if you have someone that motivates you and gives you the discipline that will also help you to to keep going on you know well, the funny thing is, I actually gained more muscle from the quarantine. Yes, I was eating. I had a little more calorie surplus, which is normal. You're gonna exp- you're gonna grow a little bit fat, a little more muscle. But from doing the more traditional workouts like chin ups, dips, push ups, all of that, and I might have not really worked out like super hard. You know, I I'm fat. So my chin-ups is like four chin-ups and then my arms are hurting. 
or, or just like doing two chin-ups at each time, doing it five times or whatever, which at my weight and my height isn't horrible. It isn't horrible. It's not really good. It's more than a lot of people can do. But I actually gained more muscle from doing the constant swap up of working out. And I, I think a lot of people get stuck in the same motion, whether it's the same kind of martial arts, because like after they get so far into a martial arts, and then they're kind of bored with it. And instead of going out and finding a new love or, or new training buddy, they just close up and don't feel like doing it anymore. They feel like they have perfected the set art. Yeah, totally. I basically, Every martial art is of repeating the movement one time, another time, another time until you have the muscular memory to to do it, you know? And many people get bored because they just think that they are do that what they are doing it is what they are doing is fine and they have learned everything, you know? So they do not have any any other motivation. It's for example, when you, I don't know, when you are studying a subject and you said, I know perfectly that subject. And when someone else is trying to teach you, you say, I already know that, even though it doesn't matter if you know it or not. So you lose motivation. Mm -hmm. And what happened in this type of situations is that um, you have to have the discipline. The discipline is basically not being straight with your schedules, is doing what you have to do, even though you do not want to do it. You know, If you have to practice a hundred, um, crosses because you do not know how to throw a punch. If you do not have the discipline to do it, you will get demotivated and you will keep doing it. Keep searching for another, for another thing, you know? And then you start jumping between one and another and another, and you will know a little bit of, of, of everything, but will not know anything of, of everything as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you do your crosses? Do you have palm out? Or do you have palm like that? Well, basically to throw a punch, the most important here is, is to protect yourself. For example, if I am, uh, if I fight as a right fighter, even though I am a left-handed, uh, I always put myself here to protect myself and the other one here in the front, you know? So it's basically mm -hmm. throwing the punch, having the shoulder up to protect yourself and doing it one and again you know and also when you're going for like a wide punch ah, okay well with a wide punch it is the same you you go in here in, in the same position you know you ah, sorry i'm working as a right side uh so yeah as a right side so basically you turn on the hip basically you turn it in here and you do this movement okay yeah, because when I did MMA, when I when I would dabble in it because my teacher was okay, but he was a braggart, so he had a very strong personality, and then he introduced a new black stereotype, fat girlfriend, or fat white girlfriend included in the package, I was kind of <laughs> done. Uh, and he knows it. He knows I was chased out because of that guy, but we'll, we'll not talk about that, okay? Because this is incredibly personal and this is not, this video isn't going to go anywhere and unless I feel like editing it. So he would sometimes do it this way. He, he would go side on the crosses and then most of the time on the, uh, the back. So mm -hmm. say I'm like fighting like this, 
when he would go wide, he would always have that, like, straight right there. But when he did the, the dominant hand, the left hand, he would always go out like that. It depends on the torch, you know? Uh, regarding moving this, it also gives gives energy and gives strong to the to the hit. It is different to show to, to, to throwing a punch like this than throwing a punch like this, because the torch it also comes with the movement of the foot and the movement of the hip. Actually, even though many people think that for throwing a punch you have to use the the shoulder uh, the arm, it uses the whole body and the most important part of the of the movement is always the hip. In every martial in every martial art, sorry, will be always the hip because the hip is what gives you the biggest port of torsion and the best stability. Everything has to go on the hip, especially when you are throwing a punch. No lies. Say what you you put in the chat. Which one? Oh, what I like to tell leftists is that to th how to throw a punch. You you punch with your thumb tucked in. It's easily broken, so you want to protect it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay so um, we're gonna start closing this down it's been yeah. a nice hour and a half good numbers make sure to spread uh, spread the channel let's get these numbers pumped up we're doing good shows even the day that i didn't do shit it was still a good a uh, good show because alcohol was included in that one mm, nice example <laughs> So uh, I, I'm just glad you guys like it. Uh, Diego, rehash what you said. Like, uh, where can people find you? And do you want me to put your Facebook in the chat? Or or do you well, not want to be bothered? Or Well, I do not have that problem. I would prefer Instagram, to be honest with you, because I do not use Facebook that much. I have it Facebook more than to talk with my family, you know, my mom or my brother. But basically, we can, uh, they can follow me on Instagram. Is Diego.Lara90. So if they can follow me in there as well, I normally post about uh, Jiu-Jitsu, well, about my Jiu-Jitsu trainings and a lot of, of my team as well that is a route team. Wonderful team and a wonderful academy. So yeah, they can follow me in there as well. Or yeah, if they want, they do not have any problem if they want to to add me on, on Facebook as well. And uh, your last name on Instagram is L-A-R-A, -A, right? That's correct. His okay, there we go. Um, basically, that is it. Make sure to hit that follow button. Make sure to give us shekels the next time we come live. And we go live Monday, somewhere in between 9 and 9.30. Uh, tell your friends, tell your mother, tell your racist uncle. Uh, tell even the Jewish guy because we know the Jewish guy has money and we are, we're all CIA agents uh, or FBI. What are we, no lies? Well, I'm uh, Asio. I Nick? can't speak for the rest of you. Okay. Uh, uh, so, sorry to correct. It will be Diego.Lara90. 90. 90. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Not a problem. All right. So, All anything right. we wanted to end on, or are we just good to fucking end it? Um, this is a long show, as and no one's giving us money, and you didn't open the chesties. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Anyone who's still around, <laughs> here's the chesties. 106 lemons, help yourselves. No, wait. No, fuck, fuck. Well, that was stupid of me.
just edit. You better give me a lot of them so we can show the show on other shows because fuck it. We're self-promoters. We like money. You are. And you guys are goddamn Jews. So give us your shekels because a white man deserves it more. (laughs) Of course. For the money, that's the monkey. (laughs) Okay. All right. Who's, who's okay, the, uh, oh, wow, people clicked on it. Well done, Blake. You should have been a bit more active if you wanted to. Fucking canard. Hey. Fucking you. Hey, and now it's time to watch him give it all back. I love it. I love it. I'm keeping mine, no lies. Fuck you. Yeah, that's the Dutch blood coming through. Oh, come <laughs> on. Not only did, did I create the Black Legend, I keep all my money. Oh, yep. suit me, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're calling it you're all okay. game of words thanks for sticking around um yeah later <laughs>